Well, growing up, I uh, was familiar with a, a band. It was a duo uh, that were popular when I was growing up. And uh, the name of the duo was Millie Vanilli. Now, I was going to ask, I was going to come out and ask, hey, who's ever heard of Millie Vanilli? But I, I ain't going to do that because I already know. Like three of you would raise your hand. And that would make me feel old, so we're not doing that. So we're starting off on a positive note. I'll just tell you, there was a band called Millie Vanilli when I was growing up. In fact, here's a picture of them to give you kind of a, a context. These, these two guys, they were it. They could, they, they, were the, they could sing, they could dance, and they would perform. They were so popular that they had a hit go all the way to number one. Girl, you know it's true. It's true. Girl, you know it's true. G-g-g-g-girl. That's how they did it. Anyway. That was good. I sounded just like them. So you probably don't appreciate it. But yeah, so they, they, um, they won awards. Everything was awesome. Everything was perfect until it wasn't. It all came crumbling down for Mr. Millie and Mr. Vanilli when um, they were at a concert and they were doing and the record started to skip. Yeah, the record started to skip and I don't know if it was the guy on the left or the guy on the right, but one of them panicked and ran off the stage. So you can imagine what happened here. They were lip-syncing the show. Now, understand something. Back in this day, lip-syncing, like today, people do it all the time, I think. They'll do a show and the person's just lip-syncing rather than singing. The, the, the Super Bowl, I bet Rihanna, halftime, she ain't going to sing none of those songs. She's going to be lip-syncing them. I, that's what I think. We just hope she brings her umbrella. Ella, Ella, eh. anyway, so, um, sorry, it gets worse. So, uh, they lip-synced, and that was only the tip of the iceberg. It, it, it came to pass, or it came to, uh, um, out, uh, out of the secrecy that they were not only lip-syncing that show, but all their shows. And it got worse. They were lip-syncing that show and all their shows, and what they were lip-syncing wasn't even their voice. Somebody else was singing the songs. They were just like the puppets in spandex out there dancing. And that's, it was, it was like the biggest, you know, uh, what do you call it, controversy. And uh, it ruined them. You do the research and uh, one of them would, would go and uh, actually uh, tragically die in addiction within the next 10 years. The other one would drift off into obscurity. All because of, of, of what was this big hidden thing, this big hidden secret. I share that with you because I wonder if we're more like Milli Vanilli than we think we might be. I'm going to get real from the start today. There are people here today and people watching online, listening online. You've surrendered your life to Christ. You might be one of the 600 plus people who have done it through Meadows Church. You, you've surrendered your life to Christ. You pray. You're in church, right? You may even occasionally read the word of God, but there is something still missing. There is something still void, and you know it. You already know that, and you don't understand it. Like, like when, you, when you go to church, you come, but you leave the same way you came, and nothing changes in your life. You hear the word of God. Pastor says it's a game changer, but it hasn't changed your game. And it's, it's like this, this, almost like this facade, we have to kind of fake it like, oh, well, we're different. But you know, deep down, nothing is changing. It's like, a, it's like a wound that just never heals. A sickness that never gets better. There are so many people today, a lot, that are claiming transformation in Christ, 
but they're not living transformed lives. Okay? So, so they claim to have met Jesus, but nothing has changed. And I'm just going to tell you, if you've been introduced to Jesus and the, your life is still the same, the problem, isn't with, the problem isn't with Jesus. It's with us. So, so back to our friends, Millie Vanilli. What if, like them, there's something in us, the thing that's holding us back is something that we've, we've concealed? What if what you're hiding is the, what's really hurting you in your walk with Jesus? What if what you're concealing is what's really killing you? What if, what if what you're doing or what you've done is keeping you in the dark? This is going to be a very emotional, I believe, and very intimate message for you and for your pastor. It's gonna, it's, the word of God is going to go forth in about seven seconds here. And my prayer, like Rachel prayed earlier, it hits us in such a beautiful Holy Spirit way that it changes us forever. I'm preaching out of the book of 1 John. John was one of the disciples of Jesus, probably one of his closest. Like he was the guy that was at the cross when Jesus died. Wrote five books in the Bible through the inspiration of the Heavenly Father. He wrote the Gospel of John, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And he wrote the book of Revelation, if you don't know that. So in 1 John, he's writing to an audience of new followers of Jesus. But something is wrong. Something is amiss in them. And, and he sees it. It's like what I just described. It's like they're, 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 you're playing the part, but, there's, but something, it, it, true transformation has not happened. Listen to what he says. 1 John 1, chapter 1, verse 3. We proclaim to you what we ourselves actually have seen and heard. So you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship isn't just with us, it's with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And I love the next phrase. Here's, here's what he says. If someone were to ask John, John, why are you writing 1 John? He didn't know he was writing 1 John. He was just writing some stuff down. But, but if you were to ask him, John, why are you writing this letter? Here's what he'd say. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. The, the disciplines that we've been looking at, Spiritual Fitness 101, at the end of the day should bring joy. Okay, I'll, I'll point the finger at me. I went to church all my life. I rarely experienced joy. I prayed a lot. Empty prayers, rarely experienced joy. Been in and out of churches, like I said, in and out of um, just environments with Jesus being proclaimed, and didn't have joy. Paul, or John continues, this is the message we heard from Jesus. I love that. Paul is saying, or excuse me, John is saying, this isn't what I, this isn't just what someone told somebody who told somebody. This isn't what I've just, some hearsay, like I hung out with Jesus. Like I, I was his best friend and I heard him say these things. This is what Jesus said. And I'm going to declare it to you. Jesus said, God is light. It's what he said. He said, there's no darkness in God at all. So we're lying if we say we got fellowship with God, but we go on living in spiritual darkness. We're lying to ourselves. We're not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we will have fellowship with each other. Not only that, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Say all. Don't miss the small words in the scripture. They're, 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 God wants to cover all your sins. 
But, but if we don't confess them, he can't cover them. He wants to confess, he wants to cleanse you from all of your sin. Verse 8, if we claim to have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all, there it is again, from all wickedness. I, I like to say it this way, God just waits God just is waiting to forgive, wanting to forgive. But the only sin he can't forgive is the one, again, that we won't confess. As a pastor, it's interesting, and, and I've learned this really quick, that when it comes to confessing, people like with me, especially people I don't know that I've never met before, they're either on one side of the spectrum or the other. Either they're just going to confess everything. I've told you that story before. This was years ago now. Of the waiter that I had, and you know, he's just having a conversation and he finds out I'm a pastor. And I said, Yeah, I'm the pastor with the past. And I talk about I, I was addicted and you know, all this. And he's like, looking at me, he goes, he goes, I'm smoking dope. And I'm like, I, my first thought was, was you're still gonna get my order right, aren't you? I mean, you know, who knows? So um, I think he said marijuana. He said, I'm smoking marijuana. And I said, Well, gosh, I mean, I'm, that's pretty good. You're you're uh sharing that I said I, I said I'll pray for you obviously you sharing that you maybe want to sounds like you might want to quit so I'll pray for that and he goes and he does and he pauses he goes I've smoked crack and I'm like okay let me get out my notebook obviously we're doing a full-on confession right here so he was just letting her fly but that's not the norm the here's more of the norm uh when people find out I'm a pastor when they find that out it's like a complete personality change most people will just it just stops the conversation and I use it to my advantage. Um, this isn't right, so I'm confessing right now. But especially in airplanes. In airplanes, I, that's where I read or I study a lot. I just, it's time that I have to myself. Um, and people want to talk. You know, you get by that person. You can put your earbuds in. They don't, they're no social awareness. They don't care. Hey, hey. I mean, okay, obviously you want to talk. So take out the earbuds. And they're like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to the same place you're going, you know, right? The airplane's going, okay, so, but, but, you know, I'll ask them, what do you do for a living? And they'll tell me, because I know they're going to ask me, what do you do for a living? And that's when I look at that, I look at them all weird, and I tell them, I tell people about Jesus. <laughs> Conversation over, right? It's done. They, it is, oh, so that's one way to get them to shut up. But anyway, so, but confessing, it's interesting, John says, how did he put it? Let me, let me, what do he say? If we claim no sin, here's what I find. Most people aren't claiming no sin, right? That's pretty bold. I mean, if you do, your name is Jesus, right? And we're pretty humbled that you joined us at Meadows Church. But most people aren't claiming no sin. Here's what most people are doing. They're just not claiming all the sin. Right? It's that one thing. Oh, the one thing that we hold on to. Ooh, that one night I want to forget. That one event, that, that one thing, that one habit, that one secret. Boy, I came to tell somebody, it's that one thing. It's the one thing, that one thing that you hold back, that will hold you back from all that God has for you. That one thing. It, it's, it's, it's huge. Millie Vanilli, they had a huge one thing, and it took them out. The Word of God, Proverbs 
I, I saw, that, saw this this week, and this is just, if I could sum up this, this uh, message, Proverbs 28, 13. People who conceal their sin will not prosper. It, you can't spell it out any better than that. You will not prosper. You will not live your purpose. You will not heal. But if you confess and turn from them, I love that. There's a couple things there. If you confess and turn from them, you or they will receive mercy. King David, in the Old Testament, the second king of Israel, great example of this. I mean, David, he did a lot of good things as, as king. But then he did some things that were a little shady. You know, like, like had an affair. And uh, the woman became pregnant. And then he had her husband murdered. You know, just a few little things, nothing major. But yeah, they were major. And David covered it up, concealed it. And it was, a, it was such a detriment to his kingship and to his life. I wrote down, it cost him dearly. Oh, did it cost him dearly. If we're going to live our purpose, say purpose. If you're going to live your purpose, if you're going to live in the light and not in the dark, if you're going to be healed fully, we got to be honest with, number one, ourselves. Number two, with the Lord. And number three, and this is where it gets a little tense, with somebody else. And that's where, that's where it gets tense. John, or James is a brother of Jesus, same moms, different dads. They, uh, James 5.16, he says, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. Why, James? Why can't I just confess to God? I mean, he's God. Well, God will forgive you, but when you confess to other people... It will heal you. It will heal you. Don't miss that. The power that heals. Confession, I love this, confession releases power that heals. That's what it does. And some of you, there are people watching right now, people in the room, you have given, you've given up on it a long time ago that you could ever be healed from what you did. Some of you, you've even given up believing that you're worthy of forgiveness. Ooh, boy, I'll, I'll rebuke that right now. But, but the things that we tell ourselves and the things that we convince ourselves are, are, are crazy. So, to really unpack this message, I want to share, th these are three things that I believe are absolutely critical for confession. Like, Three components, and I, I think if you leave one out, you're in trouble. So I want to give them to you, and we're going to, of course, tie them back into Scripture because that's, that's our basis for our, our entire foundation. That's our truth. So number one is an examination of self. This is examining yourself. I wrote it down this way. I said, we are, at this first step, you're inviting God to move upon the heart and show you any area that needs forgiving or a healing touch. Most of you, I'll just throw it out there. Most of you, this isn't going to be a hard step. You, already when I talk about maybe a secret or a sin or that one time or that one thing that you can never tell anybody, you already know what it is. The, majority, the vast majority already know what it is. But some, because we'll deceive ourselves so good, we almost have convinced ourselves that it wasn't even a bad thing. So that's when we have to pray to God, God, help me examine my heart. Uh, point out any, anything in me that offends you. 
is, is what it says. Because David, David, that whole, that whole adultery and murder, he, a whole year he went with that to himself. I'll guarantee you, at about 365 days, he, it, it was normal. He's thinking, I knew nothing wrong. I didn't kill that guy. I didn't, I didn't, she's always been my wife. I don't know what you're talking about. We, we deceive ourselves. So we're examining ourselves. But most of us, we probably already have a good idea what that thing is. That, that, that milly vanilla item that we're covering up. And this step is where you own it. It's where you acknowledge it. Because you'll never, you'll, you'll never overcome what you don't acknowledge. You never will. So this is where it gets real between you and the Father. David, so Psalm 51 is an incredible psalm to read. This is David crying out to God after he gets called out by uh, Nathan, a, a, a prophet that, that, that basically knew what he did and called him out on it. Listen to David. Self-examine. I recognize my rebellion. How does he recognize it? He's examined. Self-examination. And Nathan, his buddy, helped him. So I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night, Lord. Against you and you alone, I have sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. He wants to overcome. And he knows it's not going to happen unless he owns it, unless he acknowledges it. And you may be thinking, okay, I get it. I mean, David's kind of extreme, right? I mean, I, I, come on, pastor. I'm not really hiding anything. I mean, by the way, I've never, I've never murdered anybody or committed adultery. Well, I have. And you're kind of leaning in. Dang, what's pastor going to say? Honey, turn on your phone. This could be good. Well, I have, according to Jesus. Jesus, who always ups the bar, never lowers it. Jesus, when he ushers in a new covenant and he preaches a sermon on a mountainside, he, he says things that are crazy. Like, like, to the audience, he says, you've heard it said, murder. Murder. Is, is, is sin, it's wrong. But I say, even if you're angry with somebody, you are in danger of, of, of judgment. It's like, angry? Jesus goes on to say, and I quote, and this is crazy. Uh, he says, after he says, the angry part, he says, and if you call someone an idiot, that's what he says. You're basically in trouble. And I'm like, well, dang it. I'm the pastor and I'm in trouble because I, I think I called three people that driving here this morning. So I'm in trouble. I don't know about you, but he said if you call. So Jesus says get it. unrighteous anger is like murder. He goes on to say lust is like adultery. See, we live in a world where everything seems to be more accepted and commonplace. The devil isn't hiding anymore. He doesn't need to. He can come right out in plain sight and we'll, we'll celebrate it. A lot of people will. But you're not a lot of people. You're Meadows Church. A remnant of, of people called to something different. Because, you, because when the word of God is your authority, you'll know your foundation. You'll know your compass. But if you don't have that authority, I mean, the compass is wherever it is for that particular day. Whatever they say or whatever they do, I'm telling you, Isaiah saw it coming a mile away. He predicted it hundreds of years before even this was written. And, he, and the people were calling what was good, bad, and what was bad, good. Listen to what he says. Isaiah 5.20. What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that, that dark is light and light is dark. That's happening in our world all the time. This is why you need God's word. 
This is why I'm begging you to read it. Keep coming. Keep letting us feed you. But, but don't stop there. Get into the word of God for yourself. Otherwise, I'm telling you, the devil isn't hiding anymore. He don't have to. But we need to know what is right and what is not. So, the first one is what? Examine self. Number two, the, the, the second component for, for, I think, a good confession is uh, brokenness. Say brokenness. Sorrow would be another word for this. Sorrow. Like when I got busted, I was, didn't have sorrow that I, that I hurt anybody I ha- or hurt God. I had sorrow that I got busted. But this is different. A brokenness. That, a brokenness and a despair that you've hurt other people. A sorrow that you've hurt your relationship with the Father. Where did I write it? A despair. I can't think of what I said, but I got to find it. Oh, no, a deep regret for having offended the heart of the Father. You, you, you remember what David said? Oh, gosh, I, I've done what is evil. You can hear the brokenness in his statement. I have done what is evil. You know what, what points to this is, is penance. If you've never heard of penance, it's something that I'm familiar with because I grew up Catholic and I went to Catholic grade school. And it's something that we were told to do after we confessed our sins. The, the, the priest would give us our penance. And it's kind of, it's kind of like a, a physical thing that you do to, to, for restitution for what you've done. And, and we weren't dumb even though we were in the fourth grade. It's like the more penance he gives us, the worse he thinks our sins were. So, and I'll never forget, I've shared this before, but it's something that I really, God needs to help me with. I, the day that I confessed in fourth grade, and he gave me, I think, like 10 Our Fathers and 10 Hail Marys to go pray out in the pew after I got done with confession. And then my buddy gets done, and he's way worse than I was. Just, just ask me, I'll tell you. I mean, he was bad. So he gets done, and I'm, I'm out there praying. He sits beside me or kneels beside me. I'm like, what'd you get? He's like, five Our Fathers, five Hail Marys. I'm like, what? Five? This dude uses words that makes the devil blush. Five? I thought, that is not fair. But anyway, that's my problem. So, but, but, but penance is, I didn't understand it because of where I was, obviously. But I wrote this down. The purpose of penance is to help us understand the consequence and the seriousness of our sin. We just don't take it serious. We don't understand how, it's, it's what sends us to hell. Like, it's what sends us to hell. And we need to understand that once you appreciate that, you'll appreciate the grace of God. It's so big. So Psalm 51, 17, back to David crying out, your sacrifice, or excuse me, the sacrifice you desire, God, is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. He wants us broken because he knows unless unless we get broken, nothing's going to change. And what David just said there leads us to that third point. You will, not, you will not reject a broken and repentant, repentant heart. Number three, for a good confession, a determination to not do it again. A determination to not go there anymore. To repent means to turn. To repent means to change your mind. To repent means that I don't, I truly because of number one and number two, I truly want to walk and live a different life. Doesn't mean you're going to necessarily do it perfectly. In fact, you won't do it perfectly, but I'm telling you, you want it. So, a determination. I wrote, it's here we ask God to give us a desire 
a yearning for what is holy and a hatred for what is not. Hatred, I don't know, Pastor, that's kind of, I know, it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty bold. But I'm telling you, when I was, when I was in drug rehab the first time, it's kind of sad, i got to clarify, but I do. So when I was in drug rehab the first time, I did not have a determination to avoid addiction. I went to save a marriage and save a family and just, keep, just, just basically keep it going. So I'm in there, and people would say things in rehab like, I'm done. I, they were determined to avoid the sin. And, and many of them, it was true. My roommate, he's been, he hasn't drank a, a drink in 16 years. Praise God. He meant what he said. And I told him the same thing as we laid in our bunks. I said, I'm done too. <laughs> Thank God the lights were out because he probably would have saw the lie all over my face. And here's my prayer. This was my prayer for that 30-day rehab. My prayer was, God, help me want to want to stop. That was my prayer. I didn't want to stop. I did not want to stop. I could lie and tell you I did, but it would be a lie. I did not want to stop. But I, but I did believe in Jesus. And I said, God, some of these people seem like they want to stop. Help me want to want to stop. God hears your prayers, even when you don't think he does. A year later... Rehab number two. There I am again. And God has given me a desire to want to stop. God, did, and I told the counselor, and this counselor was like in my face. He said, you want to stop? And I'm like, yes, I can actually say yes and mean it. I said, yes, I want to stop. He said, well, you got to hate it. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, you got to hate the addiction. You got to hate the drugs. I'm like, dude, you might have an anger issue. You might need the 12 step. I'm like, oh, this guy's out of control. But, but, but looking back, I know what he meant. You gotta hate it. You gotta see what it does to you. See what it does to your family. See, because until you hate it, you won't avoid it. it you, you, you gotta see what it wants to do. How, it wants to kill, steal, and destroy. You're a little Milli Vanilli thing that you can seal. It wants to ruin your entire life. I think that's why God, in my addiction, God gave me that picture. Ava, you were two years old. Mom was pregnant with Jake. And I'll never forget it. Um, yeah, Ava, there you are. So that's the dress that Ava had on when I walked into, out of rehab and I walked into my home. So I walk into my home not knowing what anybody's going to be thinking or anybody's going to be doing or even if I'm even, even welcome to really be there. And I walk in and, and I look up and there are those big blue eyes staring at me in, her, in, her, in that dress that you're looking at right now. That little white dress. And Ava, you don't remember it. I know you don't. But you start twirling around, clapping your hands. Daddy, 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 daddy. And I know. I know that I know that I know that God was helping me hate the sin. God was giving me a visual moment. You hate it. You, you always will hate it. Don't ever start liking it. Don't ever. Don't remember what it will do. Remember what it will take. Remember who it will hurt. I, I want to give you a visual of what God has for you. And the beautiful things that, he, that are with you and maybe for you right now. But the enemy wants to take it all away from you. You need to, we, we, want, we need to be a church that hates sin. And wants everything and anything that is holy. You show me a church 
that, that, that hates sin, that has nothing but hate for sin and has a desire for nothing but God. And I'll show you a group of people that will shake the gates of hell. That's a fact. That's this church. That's you. That is you. That is us. This is why I love purpose groups. What's a purpose group? They're our discipleship process at Meadows Church. The, um, life groups are the entry point. Get in a life group. If you're not in one, you need it. But a purpose group is even deeper. And, and, and they're, they're, we, get, we get in these groups for a year. And uh, you, you can onboard once every September. And uh, why I love them so much is you're in the Word daily. You're journaling. God, what do you want me to know? God, what do you want me to do? And then you're being held accountable by three other people. So the key, and if you're in a purpose group and you're listening right now, this should be what's happening. Vulnerability and authenticity. You should be able to share things that you can't share with anybody else. And if you're not doing that, start that in your groups. you got to. That's what makes them so valuable. And you might not even do it with all three. There might be just one in the group you take off to the side. It's okay. But the, the realness. We hide stuff all the time. Step five in recovery. We admit it to God and to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. It's a huge step. It, this is the turning point for people that are in recovery. By the way, all of you need recovery, right? Because we're all messed up in one way or another. I'm writing a book right now that, pray for that, but it's, it's going to show you that. So, this is where the rubber meets the road. People can do steps one through four. Step five, the masses go fleeing. They run for the hills. Because now you're asking me to sit down in front of another person and share that Millie Vanilli moment. Share how I'm a fraud and I've been lip syncing and I'm a fake and I stand up here and I do this, but, but at home I do that. This is where, this is where it happens. It, it is a powerful thing. I wrote it's a tipping point. Why? We cannot bear to reveal our failures and shortcomings to others. Well, why? Here's why. We imagine that we're the only ones who are messing up. That's what the devil wants you to believe. That is a lie. Fear and pride stop you and me and convince us that no one else is as bad as we are. No one else has done what I've done. And that kind of makes me chuckle because this is Meadows Church. I mean, the church where they, like, they give the mic to the ex-drug addict. I mean, there's probably somebody worse than you next to you, okay? Like, turn to your neighbor. Say it's probably you. Just, no, I'm just kidding. Don't tell them that. But it's, <laughs> you're still doing it. Wow. <laughs> you just couldn't wait to tell somebody that you're the one who's jacked up, not me. So it's, we, we are a mess. But he, can I give you something beautiful? Messy people that you are, sinners that you are like your pastor. God's grace covers a multitude of sins. There's nothing you've done that he isn't ready to forgive. He literally died to forgive it. That is so beautiful. And here's what I find. Here's what I find. The, the ones who really know it. Those people that they know they're jacked up. They, they know they've messed up bad. Those are the people that are so grateful that God's grace is so incredibly good. Those are the people that get it. It's like, oh my God, I've done all that, God, and you're going to forgive it? Mm-hmm. Yep. God doesn't want to just forgive you today. He wants to heal you. He wants to free you. God is calling us to be a church that can openly confess, confess our frail humanity. 
for us to be this revolutionary church, this remnant of people in Nebraska slash Iowa, for, for the Iowa people get mad if I don't talk about them in a nice way. So, um, <laughs> anyway, so I believe God wants to do something really, really big through you, really big. But you got to get real before him and before somebody else. Honesty leads to confession. And confession leads to healing. Excuse me, confession leads to healing, but it also leads to change. And aren't you ready for change? I mean, aren't you? Aren't you ready to stop with the lies and stop with the mess and stop with the... Aren't you ready to get off that grind and step into joy? Unconfessed sin steals your joy. So there's no coincidences. Last week after service, when all you were gone, having your, having your brunch, a woman stuck around for the garden prayer room, which happens one to three o'clock on almost every Sunday. And she comes up to me in the welcome center out here, and she starts telling me a story. And, and I'm like, do you know what I'm, I, I told her, I said, you know what I, how do you know what I'm preaching on next weekend? Well, she didn't. Here's what she said. She said, I just need to tell you that when me and my husband got married, it was wrong from the start. And our marriage was bad. Now, I've heard that before. And, oh, marriage started off rocky. And, well, theirs did. But theirs wasn't rocky for like three years or five years. The first 23. She grew up in a religious setting, so, you know, she would do anything not to get divorced, and she's, 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 she's doing the right thing, going to church, I'm reading the Bible, I'm praying. Empty. So, her husband wasn't getting it either. Go figure, guys, we're a little slow. So, he, she's crying out to him, and she's not saying she was in the right. She had her issues, he had his issues, but she's like, I've tried, 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 I've tried. 23 years? Are you kidding me? She finally gets to the point where she's done. And, and she, she, she finally reconciled with herself and with God. God, this is not your plan. 23 years of misery is not your plan. They've had kids in the meantime going, kids are, you know, we think the kid's going to solve it. Another kid, another kid. So there's kids in the mix. 23 years in, the, her pastor is doing a service much like this. That's why she talked to me in the first place. She says, thank you for creating a transparent environment. She said when, when our pastor preached a message about tra the, the importance of transpa transparency, it's, new, it, it's when I knew I had to just tell somebody else that my marriage was over. I had to tell somebody else what was going on just because of obedience. The pastor said, we're going to have people up here and we just want you to come share whatever. Confess, right? So she, being obedient, and she was ready. It was done. The marriage was over. It's done. She comes up to the front, she prays with a person, and she says, See, she says, I just need to tell you, out of full transparency, I need to tell you, God, and right here, I'm, I'm getting a divorce, you know, my marriage is done. And the prayer person or whatever says, is this your husband? Well, she had no idea that her husband followed her up there and was standing right behind her. And he hears her saying these things. And, 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 you know, again, guys, we can be a little slow, but something's hitting him. It's like, this is real. 
She's not, she's not coming up, oh, save my marriage, God. No, she's, that's not her prayer. That was not her, even when it was all done that day, she's like, no, we're done. Later that day, he's sitting at his computer and the Holy Spirit falls on him. Opens his eyes, scales fall off and he realizes how he's missed it every step of the way. And he goes in to see her and she's done, she's still done. She's like, no, I don't care what you say, it doesn't matter. It took me this long to get to this point. I ain't turning back now. He says, I know what you're saying, but I'm, I got to prove it. And he shows up for work at lunch Monday and then Tuesday and then Wednesday and then Thursday. And she's miserable. She don't want to go out to lunch with him, don't want to see him, nothing. The next week, Monday, Tuesday. Normally by this time, he's fall off. He falls off. He didn't. Wednesday. See, God did a transformation. And as God transformed his heart, God softened hers. She, out of obedience, she goes up for transparency, tells somebody, doesn't even ask for her marriage to be saved. That's the last thing she wanted. She's just being transparent because that's what she's supposed to do. And God saves her marriage. God saves her marriage. So the last seven years, they've married 30 total. She tells me this, and I'm just blown away, and she said, there's so much more to the story, but I think you get the point. God blesses obedience. God wants to blow the doors off your prayer request. God wants, to, God wants to forgive you and heal you. So I want to invite the ushers to bring buckets. We've done this before, and I'll explain it to you in a second. I'll explain it to you now. There's note cards for you to write down anything maybe that you want to write down. That like you're, Maybe it's a secret. Maybe it's a sin. Whatever. You can put your name on it if you want. You don't have to. It's up to you. And, and during the final song, you'll come up, and you can just put them. Yeah, perfect. Thank you, gentlemen. You, you can just put them in these buckets. But, but, but we're doing something a little extra, because we've done this before, and I like it, because it makes action. I think God wants us to take a step of action. There is something about that. But I'm going to ask you to go a step farther. And I'm going to ask you to share, share with somebody like that woman did that day. In about three minutes now, the prayer team will be up here, and then even, even over on the, the walls over here and over there, they're loaded up today for this. Anything you share is confidential, anything. That's a big deal. When I did my fifth step with a guy, you know, that's where I confessed to somebody. I told them straight up right away, listen, buddy, I got a couple rules before I start telling you anything and everything. Number one, you don't call the cops, right? <laughs> Ain't no, no cops. Number two, you don't call my mom, okay? Both those, neither one, off limits. So... I need to give you the gospel of Jesus Christ. You confess to, confess to God for, for forgiveness. Everybody in heaven is forgiven. That's how they get in. You're forgiven when you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I give you one more scripture? 1 Timothy 2, 5, 6. There is one God, one mediator. You don't have to have someone in between you to get forgiveness from God. You don't need a priest. You don't need me. You don't need a prayer warrior. God wants to forgive you. You, you just, Christ is the bridge between us and God. There's one mediator, mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man of Christ. He, listen to this. Don't miss this. He gave his life to purchase freedom for you. That should drop you to your knees. He gave his life 
the wages for sin is death. Someone's got to pay that price. Jesus gave his life so you don't have to. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask him to forgive you and make you new. Tell him the things that you've done. Forgive me, God. He already knows them. Just confess them. And God's grace and your faith together saves you. That sets you free. Mark it on the card. We'll celebrate it. You know us. We'll go crazy for it. That's forgiveness. That, that's salvation. That's new life in Christ. The other piece is confessing to somebody else. Remember what James said? For healing. Don't walk out of here bleeding. Walk out of here mending. That's been my prayer all week for you. And here's what I'll say to you. I wrote this down for the people. You're like, no way, pastor. No way, pastor. No way, pastor. No way, pastor. Well, if we lack the courage to open up on, on a particular area, just come up and tell them, listen, I'm just struggling. I'm not ready to say it. Pray for me that I will be. That was my prayer. I'm not ready to stop. The drugs are too enticing. I'm too stupid yet. But pray that someday I want to. Prayer warriors, I want you to come up. Rest of the band can come up. They're going to play a song. You know what it's called? Come to the altar. I hope there's lines of people waiting. And it doesn't have to be a prayer person. Maybe you're going to confess to the person next to you. I, 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 it's, it's between you and God. But listen to me. Look up here. I played church all my life. And my life didn't change. I don't want to do it anymore. And you don't either. Your life is too valuable. Your time is too valuable to show up here, to be here, and then, and then leave the same. Don't, don't let the enemy win. Do not let him win. Take a step like, like, like that woman did. God answered her. She, well, he didn't answer her prayer. He answered his will for her and her husband and their family who will be at the 11 o'clock service today. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus, we're blown away at your goodness. I'm looking around at the prayer warriors all over the walls. God, I pray that people will be bold enough as soon as I'm done praying and the worship team starts to sing that they will be writing. They might, and they might, even, they might not even look at the person. They might just write something down on a card, walk up to them and read it and put it in the bucket. Praise God. Freedom has come to their house today. Healing has come to their house today. Through you, God, forgiveness is coming to this house today. We want a revolution. I don't want to just watch a movie about it. Oh, remember back in night? I don't want to remember back. I want to see it happen today. And I know that you didn't send your son on a cross for it not to happen. Most of our community don't know you. They don't know you. They don't know your love. They don't know your forgiveness. They think they're not worthy. They're walking around bleeding and dead. And we are the church. And we're messed up. But we, we're messed up with you in us. And that combination will change the world if we let you do it. I'm praying for courage and boldness for everybody in this place. Devil, I just rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You ain't stopping anybody from coming up and getting set free from what they've been holding back. God, we, I want to see it. Oh, we want to get real. We don't want to play church. Life's too short. We want to be the church. I could have been pastoring 10 years earlier, but I decided to hold on to an addiction. Well, unfortunately, I missed out on a lot of what you had for me on those 10 years. Now, praise God, the future's here today. But 
Life starts today. That's what I'm saying. Forgiveness starts today. Healing starts today. Confession. The discipline of confession starts today. David, here's what you, even after all of his mess, murder and adultery, you know what you said to him? You, you said he was a man after your heart. Wow. How, how is that possible? Well, forgiveness is how it's possible. It makes all things new. Father, may we be obedient to whatever you tell us to do. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. And the Holy Church says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for watching today. But don't stop there. I want to invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, share this message with a friend. I mean, there are so many people out there hurting, struggling, and you have the ability to make an impact in their life. And finally, if, you're, if you live in the Omaha area, I want to encourage you, come join us on a weekend service. We would love, love to meet you. God bless you.